1: This is the High Stakes Slowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Tejas Moriwala, an owner of a top 40 team in the 10,000 team plus field in the Football Guys Players Championship, a contest that will pay out well over three million dollars including $500,000 to first place alone. In this episode, we discuss why he was on Team Higby this season, how he sees the Cowboys' receivers' 2020 seasons playing out, whether you should be flexing out Jeff Wilson in Week 4, and more. Vadawala's career winnings in the FFPC total more than $120,000. Before we get into the show, I do want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com/podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. You've counted on restaurants; now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off, zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BlueWire. That's $5 off, your and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BlueWire. Don't forget, that's BlueWire for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch, like me. Trying to watch my Green Bay Packers go 16-0, hopefully capping off the season with the Lombardi Trophy. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Now, without further ado, here is $120,000 high stakes fantasy football winner, Tejas Bodywalla. Bringing in the month of October, uh, an old friend of not only the Rotovis High Stakes Lowdown, but of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, former National World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge Champion, uh, done pretty good in that contest and doing some pretty good uh, work in others this year. Taj, what's up, man?
2: Hey, nothing much, bulky. Just uh, excited to be on this and um, can't wait to see what week four brings in the NFL.
1: Yeah, you and me both my friend for sure. I am I am definitely in on that. Um and and to to really capture the listener's ear here to kick things off, I want to talk about one of the most hard-hitting topics out there this week and that's Jets Broncos <laughs> Thursday night football. Yeah. Sam Darnold versus uh Brett Rippin apparently. So, I guess this is kind of the conundrum that high stakes owners have to face, you know. Uh we've we've seen Melvin Gordon deployed. We've we've seen Jerry Judy deployed. Noah Fant obviously is a is a popular choice among tight ends for the high-stakes players this year. Jets defense is not good. But Brett Rippin, it was announced today that he's actually going to be starting for the Denver Broncos. So knowing that the matchup's great, the quarterback's not, how are you handling your Broncos in your lineups? Or do you even have to to make this call? I mean, are, are you Sans Denver Broncos this year?
2: <laughs> it's um it's incredible that 31 teams collectively passed on signing Cam on uh, the Broncos yeah. starting Brett Rippon, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see both teams move the ball. Uh, the Broncos defense is practically on IR, and Rippon is a young, inex- inexperienced quarterback, so he should lean heavily on Phantom and, and Melvin Gordon in the passing game. Um, so I'll be starting both of them everywhere I possibly can. I'm a little weary of Judy and Hamler, um, but it's a war of attrition right now. Last man standing at every position, so it's possible that Judy ends up in some of my lineups. I'm not expecting much from him, but you know, this could be this could be a little bit of a shootout uh, Thursday night, which would be a great surprise.
1: Yeah, it definitely would. I mean, I I was I was surprised at the uh, the Dolphins Broncos game more, or not Dolphins Broncos, Dolphins Jaguars game this past Thursday. Um, just for the from the standpoint, I expected more from Minshew. Like I, I thought he would go off more mm-hmm. against that Miami defense, and didn't necessarily happen. But it was fun watching James Robinson. These Thursday night games uh, this year, it's it's not like your father's Thursday night games. I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see some interesting stuff this coming Thursday, and we'll see what the future holds as well uh, for for these Thursday nighters. Um, okay, so you have a top forty team in the Football Guys Players Championship right now, and I want to specifically talk about that one. Um, I'm trying to think of a more polarizing player in the drafting season than Tyler Higbee, and and I know you were very active on Twitter talking, having this conversation with a lot of people. Um, You either were Team Higbee or you weren't. In this draft, you clearly were Team Higbee. Why did the pros outweigh the cons of of drafting Tyler Higbee for you this season, Tej?
2: Yeah, great question. Um, I really liked what I saw from Higby last season, uh, specifically towards the tail end. And I know some of the pseudo experts said Everett was the tight end to own, and Higby faced the lowest-ranked defenses against the tight end um, You know, during his monster run last season. But you play who you play, and he dominated. It's not like it was the Eagles playing against the NFC East where every coach was about to be fired. But if you follow <laughs> the leaves and uh, listen to Coach McVeigh, he basically stated that outside of uh, specific matchups where Higby will be needed as an additional inline blocker and 12 personnel, uh, that he'll be a huge part of the game plan. So without a solid running back option, the Rams, you know, they need to rely on Woods and Higby and Cup in the red zone. So hope he gets a few touchdowns against the G-Men this week. But uh, I was always high on what I saw from him. And at the tight end position, I mean, you're really talking about a handful of guys that you feel could break out. Um this year for me it was always Fant and Higby that I was trying to target in every draft.
1: How who did you end up with more? Just curiously, between Fant and Higby, or is it about a horse apiece between those two?
2: Early on it was Fant because his value was just so incredible. I mean, you're talking about he was going somewhere between the ninth, sometimes I got him in the tenth round. Um and Higby, anytime he fell uh to the sixth, I was definitely going to pick him up, regardless if that was six four to six twelve. Sometimes I got him in the seventh as well. But you have to read the draft as well. When tight ends were going extremely fast, um, there were a couple spots I had to get Higby uh, end of fifth.
1: I know you play Dynasty as well, uh, and these two Iowa tight ends are basically going to be joined at the hip for their entire careers. Uh, who has the better Dynasty career? Who would you rather have in Dynasty right now? Is it, is it TJ Hawkinson or is it Noah Fant?
2: That's a great question. I thought you were going to ask me about Denver's other rookie tight end that they drafted, but I was just- Oh,
1: Albert Oh, Yeah, we could throw him in there as well.
2: <laughs> uh, no, so I think uh, I think they're both going to have great careers. I, I love Hawkinson. Um, I'm really excited to see that he's more part of the game this year. He's put on some some muscle. He's, he's understanding the playbook a little bit better. And for him, it's always about staying healthy. Um, and then moving forward, obviously, it's going to be Contingent upon how well uh, Drew Locke or whoever John Elway ends up with a quarterback uh, for the Broncos does and and their connection with Fant, but both look phenomenal this season. So I'm really excited about early returns on them.
1: Yeah, I was nervous about both those tight ends last year. Um, Not so nervous about either one of them going forward this year, and I I own a a decent number of each of them in, in Dynasty League, so we'll see what happens there. Um, let's move the conversation down south to Big D in Dallas. Uh, you made C.D. Lamb your 10th round pick in this specific draft. We have now three weeks of information on these Dallas receivers. Do you have any more clarity, Tage, on, on how the remainder of the season is going to be going for not only Lamb but Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup as well than you did at the start of the year?
2: I wish I had a crystal ball on this, but it's really a toss-up. I mean, every game is is going to feature one of them, but there's enough to go around. I uh, love Lamb in the slot against any team slot corner. I mean, he's going to eat. And Dallas's defense makes all three wide receivers extremely valuable and viable plays week in and week out. It's possible that all three eclipse 1,000 receiving yards, and Dak just goes on to have some historical 5,000-yard passing season. Um, so I'm really excited to own them. I would say, you know, if I had to bet right now, um, Amari Cooper will still end up leading that pack. But... You never know if injuries and the way they're happening this season, it could end up being Lamb as well. And now you- Wilson's in the mix, so it's, yeah. a- <laughs> it's a little tricky.
1: Well, and that's not even mentioned. I mean, think about how many passes Ezekiel Elliott caught last year. And then I was going to ask you if you ended up with Dalton Schultz off the waiver wire in any of your leagues this past week.
2: I did. I'm so glad I got him in a few dynasty teams where I was a little thin at tight end. Uh, people weren't going that heavy on him. But, again, I really liked what I saw from him, even though it was against – um, Seattle and it was a pretty easy matchup uh, and that was going to be a shootout the week prior to that as well um, you know against the Falcons Schultz had an incredible game it was, he was the highest targeted cowboy uh, there was on offense but I mean he looks fast and he's doing some great things after the catch as well some of his routes are run properly so I'm excited to see what he can do down the line uh, this season and he's a Stanford product um, so they produce some pretty good
1: tight ends it's really interesting at the end of the season, we might be talking about how many shares of the Dallas offense did you have, because that might determine how well you did in your league. Um, there, there's a lot of electric playmakers down there. Uh, the offensive line is pretty solid. And then when you look at the defense, you can kind of see that the weaknesses there where they could be involved in a lot of shootouts going forward. And they have been already. So uh, I think you're right. I think you're dead on with potentially 3000 yard receivers. I think Schultz is going to have a big a remainder of of twenty twenty two and and obviously uh, or as well I should say not two and then uh, Dak Prescott too obviously is is going to have a big year came off a big year last year could be even bigger uh, in twenty twenty um, at that quarterback position um, uh, keeping the conversation there Russell Wilson is was your selection at nine hundred four he's obviously been unbelievable this year there there's no I- I- insightful question I have on him that was a great pick by you but if we go a little bit deeper. If we were redrafting today, how high would you take those two receivers of his, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in high stakes drafts?
2: Oh man, I would love to stack Wilson with Lockett and Metcalf. Um, It's still early, but Lockett I'd peg in the third round. Um, Same with Metcalf. Obviously I wouldn't be able to get them both unless I was drafting at the tail end Um, and I could take them back to back. But I would definitely be taking Lockett above uh, certain receivers or running backs that are constantly going in the third and then Metcalf probably right after Lockett in the third as well. So um, we'll have to see how healthy they are uh, towards the end of the season. There were some concerns with Lockett um, regarding his uh, health and whether he was going to opt out or not. I know a lot of people were talking about that, uh, but really glad to see everything he's been able to do with Russ and uh, that they're letting Russ cook. And uh, Carson, you know, obviously um, is always kind of on the injury prone side. Um, I know a lot of people loved his value this year, and so did I, but we'll see what the next couple weeks hold without him in the lineup. Uh, Hyde should be a, a formidable backup, but it looks like Wilson's going to be involved in a couple more shootouts here. So Lockett and Metcalf's value are just extremely high right now.
1: I'm just wondering what changed in the philosophy in in Seattle because they had these playmakers before, Um, you know, they've, they've always had Russell Wilson there and it seemed like for three quarters, they would just, you know, let the running backs slam into the backs of the offensive linemen and, and be in a 17, 16 game in the fourth quarter. And then Wilson, they'd say, okay, Russ, go out, go out and win us this game. And then he'd crush it in the fourth quarter and put up these monster stats. What do you think the philosophy change was in Seattle this year? Did they, after, after years of doing it the same way, did they, just, were, did they just come to the realization, like, we have one of the best quarterbacks in pro football. We have playmakers on, on the outside that can make plays. What are we doing here? I'm just wondering why now, why this year? Because anybody who predicted that this would be the change, like you, is going to be handsomely rewarded as long as everybody stays healthy.
2: Yeah, great question. I think it's threefold. Um, I think one is that the NFL is a passing game. Uh, it's wide open now and I think that you know defenses are struggling uh, to keep up with offensive and that's that's pretty shocking to see in the in the early on uh, season but I think it's it's more along the lines that Seattle's offensive line has improved uh, their defense uh, specifically their secondary outside of the acquisition of Adams um, has been uh, let's say it's been torn apart a little bit, so it's a lot weaker than it was in previous seasons where they could just rely on on Russ being a game manager and winning them the game in the fourth quarter. So it's a combination of really looking at the nature of the NFL being a passing game, Russ just being incredible, the weapons they have on the outside now with Metcalf stretching the field, uh, and then also just their defense not being as strong as it used to be. Whatever it may be, I'm just glad that Pete Carroll has really taken this, uh, this route and uh russ is russ is on some historical phenomenal run as well and and hopefully he gets his first mvp it's crazy that he hasn't had one mvp vote yet in his career and you're talking about one of the most decorated most incredible most accurate quarterbacks of all time
1: and a guy who's won a super bowl too i mean he's he's basically done it all outside of that uh you're right and and i'm i'm Counting my lucky stars, uh, for for every team I have a share of that Seattle passing game on with you know, be it Wilson or or Lockett or Carson or or Metcalf or any of those guys, it's it's going they are going to be fun to watch this year for sure. They already have been. Um, I okay, so talking about uh, um rostering or having a lot of rosters, having a lot of leagues, having a lot of teams to manage. I know this is this is the case with you. Of all the players that you own your leagues this year, where you own a lot of them. Um, You know, whether you went heavy on certain players or not, who has been sort of the home run of the guy you loaded up on and then maybe a a player that that you loaded up on, uh, but you wish you were underweight on because he's been underperforming so far.
2: Yeah, so DeAndre Hopkins has been a stud. Um, I never bought into the narrative of new team means less time to form chemistry and understand the system equating to lower target share and volume. Um, And obviously Calvin Ridley. A lot of people had pegged to be this year's version of Chris Godwin. Uh, I'm really happy, you know, what I see from from Ridley and that entire Atlanta offense being that their defense is just completely decimated and every game is going to be a shootout for them or at least teams are going to be able to come back on them. So there'll be a lot of volume share for Ridley as well. Um, It looks like he might have even surpassed Julio at this point uh, in that offense. So love the fact that I was pretty high on Hopkins and Ridley across the board. Um, Right now it seems like I was wrong on Lamar. Uh, And that's tough to say, but based off what I saw last night and, you know, Lamar can say that Kansas City is his kryptonite, but he really isn't going to be in situations where he's trailing from behind. Um, They're most likely going to blow out every single team they face aside from Kansas City and they're not going to be playing catch up. And and that's huge in fantasy football when you have those second half garbage time point opportunities um, or there's a perfect game script where it's just a shootout now against Baltimore's defense. You're not going to see that much. And the way the Ravens can run the ball, Lamar is not going to probably surpass his passing statistics from last season. So I was wrong on Lamar. I'd much rather have Cam in the 13th or 14th round than Lamar in the third.
1: Yeah. So Newton, you're so you're a believer in Newton, like what he's done so far in New England. You think he's going to keep this up the rest of the way. This isn't just some sort of, you know, like um catching everybody off guard early on in the season. This that we are seeing vintage Cam Newton this year, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a tough game this week uh, against Kansas City in Kansas City. But um, yeah, I'm I'm super happy for what I've seen in Cam. Obviously, you know, he was an uh, integral part of uh, Herschel and I winning the uh, FFPC Playoff Challenge uh, as he was our starting quarterback. So he's always uh, a near and dear favorite uh, to me. But I'm just glad he finally got a chance again. He's been banged up. Um, and you know, he looks incredible in, in New England and, and who better to be coached by than Bilicek and, and coach McDaniels as well. Um, so really happy to see cam flourishing in that offense and he's on a mission. He's on a revenge tour. He's got a one-year contract. He got low balled. Um, I think he's going to ball out. I think he's going to stay healthy and can't wait to see what type of contract he gets in the off season.
1: Yeah, that will be something to watch for, for sure um maybe and maybe it comes in New England I mean I don't really know what's going to happen there you know he I read some story today somebody asked him and I and I just read the headline which I know is like the worst thing to do because you never understand the context of the story then but it was something to the effect of why didn't he bring his family up to up to Massachusetts where he's playing his home games and he said oh this is just a business trip for me and to me that suggests like okay well you know, maybe he's not long for New England. You know, he's going to build his stock up there and then sign like a four or five year deal or something with somebody else. I don't know. I don't. You think he's going back in New England next year if this keeps up?
2: I do. I think he'll eventually end up being loyal to the team that uh, was loyal to him, even though it took a long while for New England to pull the trigger. Um, I think Cam will have a wonderful opportunity moving forward in his career just to be coached by again, um, you know, Belichick and, and McDaniels. So. Cam obviously could end up in a in a situation that's not as positive and then he could regress, but I hope to see him in New England and I hope they surround him with some uh, additional weapons at the receiver position. I know Edelman is, uh, is an incredible player in this slot, but they definitely need to upgrade tight end and then uh, across the board at receiver as well. But that division is going to be tight, uh, obviously with Buffalo tremendously improving. Allen has just been incredible. I saw some crazy statistic about Allen. Uh, in his last uh, x amount of games, he has thirty three touchdowns and only three interceptions. Wow, that guy is really pushing for the for the mVP as well this season so um, a lot of great quarterback play across the league but yeah, I think when it 's all said and done, uh, cam ends up um, potentially in new England i I read the same article that he hasn't moved his family up there. That was a little concerning uh, for the future of his play in New England but Let's see where he ends up. You know, he's at the point of his career where he could just play somewhere that he just loves to live, right? And his family right. lives, so it could be anywhere in, in Southern California. It could be wherever he feels uh, he's most welcomed. So,
1: yeah, and it's and and the other thing too is think about what what it would be like in New England. You you let Tom Brady get away, and then Cam Newton has this big resurgent career. Are they really going to let him get away too? I don't know. That's and I know Bill Belichick doesn't care about the fans. He's going to do what he does, but. Certainly, that would be an interesting storyline to follow ahead. it it, it gets there. But we have much more of 2020 to talk about before we get there. And and 2020 has been, so far, some pretty big injuries. And we saw another one this week at the tight end position. Dallas Goddard ends up fracturing his ankle, originally called a sprain. Now it looks like he's going to miss some serious time. And with bye weeks coming up, um, it's going to be tough to roster all these hurt players. Is this a guy that you have to find a way to keep? for the fantasy, uh, home stretch stage or, or is uh, if, if push comes to shove, would you be willing to let him go?
2: Push comes to shove. I hope there's another option that pops up similar to like Schultz. Um, maybe some people drop sample and and sample pops up back on the radar and I can pick him up for cheap. But, um, unfortunately being that it's a tight end premium league, most likely going to have to hold on to Godard and you know, hopefully, again, there's an option that pops up in the interim. But his fracture is pretty minor. and It's possibly he'll be back to full strength in six weeks is what I've been reading. So I'll most likely hold on to him. And it'll also be interesting to see what Philly does with Ertz prior to the deadline. Uh, a lot will have to do with how quickly Godert heals. Um, so as you know, Ertz hasn't, hasn't signed his extension. He's apparently got into a shouting match with Roseman right before the season. And it doesn't look like he's in the long-term plans with Philly. So... Um, Goeder could be an integral part down the, uh, you
1: know, down the line. Yeah, well, I am just, I'm, I'm, you know, I know New England drafted the two tight ends this year, but I mean, wouldn't that be such a New England move? Or you know, they can't, Philly can't pawn Ertz off on anybody, and New England gets Zach Ertz, and then he gets to catch passes from Cam Newton and be like the new Greg Olson in that New England or that new Rob Gronkowski in that New England uniform. That would be interesting to watch too. Uh, like you said, we'll see what happens there. Uh, But for right now, some good short-term value on Zach Ertz, uh, especially for people who draft him as the third or or fourth tight end off the board. Um, The uh, Niners are actually going to be taking on those Eagles this week. Now, San Francisco played the New York Giants last week, and Jarek McKinnon started, played pretty well, got a little dinged up, opened the door sort of for Jeff Wilson towards the end of the game, and then Jeff Wilson ends up catching and running in a touchdown. So knowing that the Eagles defense hasn't exactly been a bunch of world beaters this year, does Jeff Wilson make for another good flex option this week?
2: Absolutely. I think most are rest one more week. I don't think they need him this week to beat the Eagles. Uh, As you mentioned, McKinnon is banged up uh, and Wilson has a nose for the end zone. So the Eagles run D is pretty solid, but Shanahan does a great job with formations and play calling. Um, I like that. Wilson was involved in the passing game as well. So I'm starting Wilson everywhere. I need to, um, and I'm kind of kicking myself last week that I didn't start uh, Robinson over Kareem Hunt, even though Kareem Hunt's been been wonderful this season. But uh, I think you mentioned that top forty team. I did have James Robinson and his thirty points on my bench, so <laughs> I'll be making the same mistake with uh, with Wilson. I'm going with
1: the matchup here. I've been so beat up at running back this season. I didn't have much, like I in my Robinson leagues, I had to end up playing him. You know, it's just one of those things where where I, I didn't really have a, another good option. Like Kareem Hunt, I would have loved to have Kareem Hunt instead of him. Um, just talking about Robinson for a little bit, is he the, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, he's the guy there all season, right? In Jacksonville. I mean, we'll see what happens with, you know, when it comes to the draft next year. But Robinson, as long as he's healthy, the way he's performing and, and the effort he's giving, you got to believe that that dude's locked into 15 to 20 touches a game every game the rest of the way, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. Uh, He's the guy. I think the coaching staff has a lot of trust in him. He's a phenomenal pass blocker. Uh, Really good in the pass game as well. Um, Smart, uh, tough, a lot of yards after first contact. Uh, Shifty, can cut on a dime. Uh, Really like what I see from Robinson. Just shocked that he was not drafted by any NFL team. And even more shocked that you spend the fourth pick in the draft (laughs) and you end up cutting him for an undrafted rookie free agent. But He's uh he's definitely proven his worth there. And I think Minshew has a lot of trust in him. Um the coaching staff will will definitely be moving forward featuring him.
1: Now, this uh so so full disclosure here, uh and I are recording this podcast here on on Tuesday evening. And um by the time this comes out on Thursday, we might get some more clarity on the the COVID situation with the with the Titans and, and with the Vikings. Um, but Tuesday afternoon, as everybody knows, um, the, the there was three players or three coaches and no, it's three coaches and five. No, three. Excuse me, three players, five coaches test positive. Uh, uh, for the uh, COVID-19 among the Titans. They immediately shut down workouts until Saturday. The Vikings left their practice facility as well. Steelers and Titans uh, do play in game four, and obviously that's the big one that everybody wants to talk about. We can talk about the Vikings uh, game as, as well as they take on the Texans. But for your waivers this week, Tage, I mean, how big of an adjustment is that going to be, knowing that these guys could miss, you know, these four teams, could miss this week. Um, it might be rescheduled later in the season. We, we don't really know what's going to happen. But this is a headache that gets thrown in. And, and what's your strategy going to be uh, trying to capitalize on this and making sure all your bases are covered?
2: Yeah, I'm looking at that tonight during the debate as well. Um, we'll have to ensure every single team has a kicker. Uh, I have Gaskowski on a few teams. Uh, I have to have backup defenses now. And anywhere Big Ben or Tanny are my quarterbacks. Unfortunately, I have to pick up another, um, perhaps Fitzmagic. We um, yeah. need to be looking over that uh, tonight. Um, as you know, I have a lot of teams, so I always start that process. Basically, after I see the results after Monday Night Football, I start doing waivers, uh, complete as many as I possibly can. But Tuesday night, heading into Wednesday are really critical for me. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not shocking to see what happened um obviously we're gonna have to go through this uh, as we head into the winter as well and on larger numbers I'm assuming um but hopefully everything's all right and uh you know I was reading that maybe the game uh worst case scenario gets pushed on Monday night uh, but I definitely will be having a backup just in case
0: yeah
1: no and I think you know the the fact I saw Adam Schefter's tweet and and if that if that is worst case scenario to me that's like you know whatever man we get an extra. Double header, Monday night football, double header i'm I'm totally down for that. Um, and, and if that's the worst case, then I think we're gonna be a okay on that. Um, all right, so moving on, um, your waiver priority uh, bids this week. We don't have like a Mike Davis guy, you know, player out there. We don't have, I mean, Deion Lewis is obviously kind of a bust, but James Robinson was a big guy off the waiver wire a couple of weeks ago. Um, Nobody really liked that this week that I'm seeing. Who are the couple of guys that you're really going to target or have been targeting so far um, when you've been placing bids?
2: Yeah, I just spoke about a few, actually. So Jeff Wilson's available in some of the leagues that I'm looking at. Um, Would love to pick him up. Uh, Also Fitzmagic, his matchup against Seattle is incredible. Um, And I think some others include Burkhead, wherever he's available as well. Last week, it was obviously Indianapolis, but unfortunately, I got sniped multiple places and had to face off against Indy, specifically in the main event, which uh, was a bummer last week for me. Um, I had three undefeated teams. Uh, None of them are undefeated anymore, and Mm. I'm looking up in the standings, so I am like, ah, I got to win these weeks. So I was really looking forward to finding a defense. I was actually thinking about Denver versus the Jets, but the more I look at it, how many players are out for Denver, and how decimated they are across the board, not only on the defensive line but in the secondary? I definitely think the Jets can move the ball against Denver this week. So most likely, it's going to be Fitz
1: Fitzpatrick, um, Jeff Wilson, Burkhead, just to name a few. Yeah. So, like, just looking at Burkhead, um, this is a guy. It's obviously the three touchdowns were huge. I mean, that was massive. But um, like going forward, I, I just I always think it's so difficult to project. New England running backs, you know, especially when James White gets back into the fold. Um, Sony Michelle, you know, channeled Georgia. Sony Michelle this past week that came out of nowhere. I didn't understand that. Um, but I, I, you know, just looking at it from from the New England perspective, I, is Burkhead just simply going to be added to your roster and you just throw him in and hope for like ten points in a bye week? Uh, because I just never know when he's going to blow up like he did this week or, or when he's not.
2: Yeah, it's really a short-term fix. Uh, Obviously, the tragic news for James White, and obviously we're all praying for his family. Um, But, you know, I I think uh, with White being out um, and being such an integral part of the passing game, Burkhead will just be plugged in. Um, And anybody who's receiving, you know, dump-offs from Cam uh, is all right in my book, especially around the red zone. So I think Burkhead will have a couple more solid games. Uh, His floor is somewhere between you know, ten to eleven points, and maybe hits his ceiling again, like he did this past week. Not as high, but maybe <laughs> up to like 17, 18 points. So, uh, looking forward to see what he can do over the next couple of weeks as as the ease wipe back in. It would just
1: be so such a twenty twenty thing for Burkhead to have back to back three touchdown games, wouldn't it? I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it and hate to see it at at exactly the same time. Um, Tage, you've been very gracious uh, with your time tonight. I want to let you go because uh, I know you got bids to place. Last question before I do, a sleeper that needs to be in high-stakes lineups for this week, maybe it's Birkhead, Um, and then uh, as well as a guy that you think um, that a lot of people will start but is more likely to bust and, and disappoint owners in week four.
2: Yeah, a couple. Um, I'm looking at that Atlanta matchup against the Packers, uh, and I know obviously no one on Atlanta's backfield is Alvin Kamara, but I do like what I've seen from Brian Hill. Uh, he's another guy that will be on my waivers, but I do think he'll be a sleeper this week. Um, other guys include some pretty big names. Uh, OBJ, who I've been benching uh, across the board uh, as many places as I possibly can. They get a, a great matchup against the Cowboys, uh, which should be a shootout as well. Um, so OBJ will be in my lineups. I think he'll have a really good week. Uh, Devontae Parker uh, with Miami uh, facing the Seahawks. Uh, and then Bus. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor has been been great so far this season. I uh, really like what I've seen from him and I'm really happy I have him on a lot of teams. But I think Taylor is going to run into a pretty tough situation this week uh, in Chicago. Um, and then Cam as well. Uh, unfortunately, I, I really like what I saw from Kansas City's defense. Uh, you know, no one is Lamar Jackson, but, but Cam is a, is a pretty similar quarterback when it comes to being mobile, uh, being able to move the pocket. And utilizes legs to to keep the you know keep the chains moving, pick up first downs. Um, but I think he's going to have a tough game uh, this week in Kansas
1: City. So uh, I might find him on my bench uh, everywhere I own him. Backtracking to that Brian Hill call, I'll tell you this too: the Packers on that Sunday night game against New Orleans lost their big stud inside linebacker Christian Kirksey. For several weeks, he is for sure not going to be playing in Atlanta uh, with, a, I think it was a shoulder injury. And now incoming is Ty Summers, a seventh round pick last year, I want to say, out of mm-hmm. BYU. Limited, smart guy, limited athleticism. Uh, and then on the other side, you, you might have Chris Barnes, the undrafted uh, free agent from UCLA, who's made a few plays. But again, undrafted rookie free agent. Um, yeah. they, and, and, and think about how New Orleans attacked those Packers linebackers. It wasn't between the the tackles like how Atlanta's been using Todd Gurley. It's been on the perimeter. It was, it was it was with the swing passes. It was getting the players in the space, and that has been the Brian Hill role so far in a, in a, um, in Atlanta this year. So you might end up. I mean, if, if desperation calls, Brian Hill sneaking in at flex you might actually have a pretty decent game, especially when you consider the Packers are seven point favorites. Falcons might be. Uh, throwing to catch up in this game. What a novel idea that would be. Normally it's Atlanta that gets up by 15, 20 points, and then the other team throws back into the game, and then they win the game. Been an incredible 2020 for Atlanta, and I don't mean in the good way. This (laughs) podcast was incredible, uh, and I do mean in the good way. Tejas Bada Wallace, so good to talk to you again. Uh, congratulations on all of uh, your success so far uh, in these leagues. Good luck the rest of the way. You got some good chances in in, in the main event, some pretty good teams there, and then obviously this top 40 team in football, guys, too. I, and I know that's not your only dominant threat there, too. So best of luck to you, man. Thank you so much for joining the show this week.
2: Thanks, Bulky. It was a pleasure. look forward to uh, catching up soon.
1: rotoviz.com podcast the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE.